Father, we come to you in this moment and we open our hearts and we open our minds to that which you would have for us. Father, we humble ourselves before you. We, we lay aside our agendas. We lay aside our, our thoughts, um, our preconceived ideas. And we just say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Make this a time of, of meaning in my life, a transformation in my life. Help me to know you more deeply as I set myself aside and take on the truth of who you are. We thank you, Lord, that we are visited with your spirit this morning. And so we invite you more deeply into our lives. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As I get into this morning's uh, message, um, I want to ask you this. Just before I head into it, I want to ask you this, and I want you to think about this um, from a real personal level, on a real personal contemplation level. Um, what are you doing here? <laughs> I mean, I want, you, I want you to think about that. I, I, what, what are you doing here? Like, why, why are you here? What is, what is the reason to be here today? What is the reason to be in community? What is the reason uh, to say you go to church? And just, just process that for a moment in your own heart, in your own lives. Uh, today is a, a special day. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, Pentecost Sunday is um, 50 days after Easter and 10 days after Christ's ascension. And it is the day in Scripture in which the Holy Spirit was imparted, was, was given to the church. And so what we're doing today is we are taking this opportunity to really kind of contemplate what that means for us, that means in our own lives. Um, and I think it's appropriate for us as the church to recognize the importance of this day and embrace the power of that event, to, uh, to realize that that impartation into the church was significant, right? Um, most of us know the story, right? Most of us know what took place on that day. That 50 days after Christ's death on the cross and 10 days after his ascension to heaven, um, after having spent 10 days in the upper room in Jerusalem, and, and it's always important to really understand the context of that, that interaction. You had a bunch of people who had just seen their Savior killed. A, a bunch of people who had kind of devoted themselves for the last three years to following after this guy. Who was going to be their hope. Who was going to be their life. And they killed him. They slaughtered him in front of them. And they understood that everybody still was not crazy about Jesus. Even after he rose from the dead, they were trying to hide it and they were trying to deny it. And, and they were trying to kill, they were trying to squash this movement that Jesus had started, right? And so they went up in the upper room and they just prayed. They just sought the face of God. For those of you who have been participating over the last 10 days, you understand that's what we've been doing here. Like the, the, we've been, we, we kind of instituted last week... Um, an event that every year we'll just evaluate as, as, as leaders, as pastors, as to whether or not we want to do it. But this last week we had 10 days of Terry where every single night we came here for 10 straight nights and we spent time in God's presence. And there's a bunch of people who are here who were here every single night. And it's, was, it was really a cool and amazing experience. And 
God has just kind of continued, I think, um, to carry that forward in us. But that's what they were doing. They were, they were there in fear, in expectation, not sure what was going to happen. But they just spent time in God's presence. And then on that tenth day, as they were in his presence, the Holy Spirit just dropped. Right? You guys remember the story. It's a pretty incredible thing. The place was, the place was rocked. The place was, was, was shaken. Wind came rushing through. Tongues of fire landed on each one of them. And they began to speak in other tongues. Tongues that they had never been taught. And as a result of that, these people who were kind of huddled in, the, in this upper room, not really sure what was going to happen, kind of afraid of everything, poured into the streets. And they began to preach the gospel. And, and, and Peter gets up. Peter, the guy who just like a few weeks earlier is denying even having a relationship with Jesus. Stands in front of thousands of people and starts declaring to them who Jesus Christ is. What was going on here? That this was that which was promised. The outpouring of the Spirit in the last days. And I want to just pause real quick and I want you guys to think about that. How many of you think if they were in the last days, we're in the last days? Right? So this is promised, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, manifested in that way, according to him, from the prophet Joel. That the Spirit of God would be poured out and he begins to preach. And as he's preaching, as he's challenging them, the word of God says, and they were cut to the heart. And they said, what must we do to be saved? And in that moment, what we see is the birth of the church. We see the starting of the church. Now again, I want to revisit for a minute the question I started this with. What are you doing here? What does it mean to be the church for you? What does that all mean as we talk about coming to church and being a part of church and attending church, being a member of a church? They, in that moment, we saw the birth of the church. It seems to me that the the relationship between the Holy Spirit and the nature of the church and the function of the church is intertwined. That they must be kind of important to each other, right? Because here is the promise that Jesus Christ gave, that there would be a community, that there there would be a people of a new covenant. A promise that was given not just by Jesus, but by God all the way back in the Old Testament that I will have my people. That, 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 that the law will be written on their hearts. And they will be my people and I will be their God. That promise of that community coming forth is being realized in this moment and it's entirely tied to the presence and the coming of the Holy Spirit. We talked about this in the past. In fact, uh, if you walked in today, you, you, you saw the description of what the church is. And I want to stop for a minute and, and I want us to take a look at that because I think it's important for us to understand what it means to be a part of the church and the importance of the Holy Spirit in that manifestation. This is, this is from Acts chapter 2 starting in, in verse 40. After the events of what we just described, after, after um, the Holy Spirit falls, after they pour into the streets, after they preach and people are cut to the quick in their hearts. With many other words, Peter warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship 
to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we talk here about the birth of the church. This is a description of the church coming forth. And then it's a description of the function, of the actions, of what it means to be the church. They, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This is kind of what you guys are kind of doing right now. It's like, well, what does the Bible teach us? We, we want to devote ourselves to hearing what the Bible says. We want to learn what the apostles taught. So I want to know it. So that's why you guys are here right now. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, that, the fellowship, the, them caring for another, one another. That, that, that idea of fellowship is really deep. They were unified, they had all things in common, they cared for one another, they were looking out for one another. That's what that fellowship is. They they devoted themselves to the the breaking of bread. It was tied to that fellowship, but it was about a declaration about what Jesus Christ did on the cross. It's that idea of saying, we're together and we're unified, and they remembered it the same way we do with communion, what Jesus Christ did to make us this body. So we see in this that there's over and over and over again this idea of this is what the church does and why the church does it. And it is inexplicably, based on what we're seeing here, it is, it is, it is undeniably, intricately tied to the coming of the Holy Spirit. Why? Why is it tied to it? Why is it so stinking important? The first thing I would tell you is this. The first thing we need to learn from this is this. The gift of the Holy Spirit is not for personal self-gratification. Okay? See, so, so a lot of us, we kind of live our Christian faith independent. And a lot of us love kind of what takes place as it relates to what the Holy Spirit does in us. We, we can get goosebumps, we can get insight, we can have all these different things take place. A lot of us, you come in here, and I've heard the testimony over and over again, man. I came in that place, and I just felt the Holy Spirit moving. Anyone ever kind of have that experience as you come here to Mercy Hill? I've, had that heard, I've heard that over and over again. That's awesome. That's great. That's, that's incredible. But you realize the Holy Spirit isn't just so that you can come in here and feel that for you. There is a communal nature of the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is given so that we might be in community and do this. Okay, And the second part of that, the second reason why this is something that you really kind of have to grasp, you have to, you have to understand is, the reason for that is to be the church, to, to, to function as the church, to, to do all the things that are being said here, we need the presence of the Holy Spirit, which is ultimately about the presence of Jesus Christ. We can't do this in ourselves. What's taking place in the impartation of the Holy Spirit is the indwelling, the the giving. We are being given Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can live Christ towards each other. We cannot be the church without the impartation of the Holy Spirit. And the reason for that is because we can't be the church without the impartation of Christ himself. 
And in so doing, he's then inhabiting what we do in community. Think about that for a moment. This is why the question I had to start this with is so important to me. You, you understand this isn't a light thing when we say we're part of a church. The Holy Spirit is given to us so that Christ may inhabit us and ha- inhabit our community. Jesus promised unity in his pastoral prayer found in John chapter 17. He promised that just as he and the Father are one, so we can be one with each other and with him. Do you understand, do you understand what, what, what the implication is there? That there is a unity created between us because the unity between us is also with Christ. So, so this impartation, this, this implantation, this, um, uh, this inhabiting of us as individuals and us as a community is Christ pulling us together in him. So when we study the apostles' teaching, when we study his word in, in, in moments like this, he is here in it by the Holy Spirit. That together we sit here unified in the truth of his word by the power of the Holy Spirit in Christ. That he is inhabiting our fellowship, our love one for another as we break bread with one another and we care for one another. It is through the inhabitation of Jesus Christ that that comes forth in a powerful way. He is in our confession. He inhabits our praise. The Holy Spirit is given so that we are unified in Christ, one with another. And so we have to see the Holy Spirit as a communal gift. It's not just about what he does in you. It's about what we do together because of the presence of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit is so that the church can fully be the church in unity with Christ through the inhabitation of Christ through his spirit. It is about us in community. Nothing he asks us to do, nothing nothing described in in Acts chapter 2 that is what the church is. As I said, for anybody who came in here, if you turned to your right when you walked in those doors, you saw it. On the, uh, above the bar over there, right? The reason is because we believe deeply here at Mercy Hill Church from the day of our founding is that that describes the totality kind of what we're supposed to be as the church. How to function as the church. And it's not happenstance. It's not, it, it, it's not coincidence that the impartation of the Holy Spirit for the inhabitation of his people gave birth to that calling, gave birth to that life. We have been given a calling as the church when we have been given the Holy Spirit. Do you hear that? Do you understand what I mean by that? When the Holy Spirit was given to you, inherent in that gift is a calling to community is a calling to that existence, is a calling to a devotion 
to the breaking to, to, to the teaching of the apostles, a, a devotion to the breaking of bread and fellowship, a devotion to the prayers. I, I, inherent in the gift of the Holy Spirit imparted to you is a calling to that community. That's why the question I asked to start this out, I think, is an important one. What are you doing here? What, what, is, what is this about for you? If, if we see and seek the Holy Spirit for simply self-gratification, we don't really understand it. We don't really understand what we're doing. We don't really understand what we have. And so I think this morning it's important for us to refocus our hearts and our minds on what God is calling, to you, calling you to in community. He gave the Holy Spirit on that Pentecost Sunday so we might be the church. What we're going to do at this point, as I said, it's going to be a little bit of a different Sunday this, this week. We're going to go to a time of worship right now. And, and throughout the morning, there's going to be um, people available to pray for you. Um, and the prayer throughout is going to be for the impartation of the Holy Spirit in your life in a dynamic way. But as we go now to a time of worship, my challenge that, that, I, that I want you to contemplate is your functioning in the church. To step into this moment and, and identify in worship and in prayer and in praise with who Christ is in your life. But I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to challenge you in, in what you're doing, in, in how you're approaching what he's given to you and what he's called you to. If you need prayer, there's going to be people available to pray with you. If you feel led of the Holy Spirit to say, you know what, I haven't stepped up enough in just caring for others and looking out for others and being in community. And the Holy Spirit leads you to go and pray with someone. Go and do that. And maybe it means just to go and weep with someone and just to help carry and, 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 and share their burden. This is the love and fellowship that is described here. Give yourself this opportunity for self-reflection. Step into God's presence and let His Holy Spirit lead you into the life of community he wants you to be in. As we've contemplated the inhabitation of Christ in the community of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to show you guys something that many haven't realized, but that is important to the truth of Christ inhabiting the work and the function of the church. The primary focus we've had in, in Acts chapter 2 is about the birth of the church and, and the need of the Holy Spirit to bring forth that community. But there's something important to look at uh, two chapters later. After the Holy Spirit had come to them, after the Holy Spirit had empowered them, after they went into the streets and people became saved and they began to function as the church and as that description was says that people were healed and many signs were done and, 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 and they had favor with people and God was doing incredible things adding to their community daily 
they're going about being the church. And in the midst of going about being the church, one day John and, and Peter are, are, are going into the temple and at the, at, at the gate beautiful is a man who is um, crippled. A man had been sitting there for years and years and years and years receiving alms from people, receiving uh, donations from people. And so as he's sitting there, they, they go walking past and he asks them for more alms, for contribution to help him. For me, it's always been this fascinating idea, this thought, like this guy has been sitting there. He knows where to be, like, right? He's, he's, he's in front of church. And like somebody sitting in front of church, I mean, how do you ignore a guy, right? You're like coming in to talk about like just what a wonderful human being you are, how righteous you are. That's what I'm here to do. And you're going to walk past the guy who's been paralyzed. And he looks up and he asks for alms from them. And Peter and John say, silver and gold, we have none. But what we have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Incredible, right? Incredible moment, incredible time. An outflow of what took place in what we read in Acts chapter 2. This is in Acts chapter 3 that that story takes place. People see it, people are moved by it in the same way we see it in in Acts chapter 2. And he begins to preach again. At this point, when he preaches, though, there's some opposition to him. And and so the high priests and the Pharisees, they come and they take him away and they put him in prison and they challenge him and say, stop it. You need to stop preaching Jesus. Their response to him is like something that, you know, just echoes through time. Are we to obey God or obey man? And so as they're standing there, there's this this boldness of continuing to be the church the way they're supposed to be because of the impartation of the Holy Spirit and the presence of Christ in their midst. There's this kind of boldness to do it and stand there in front of these guys and say it. But they get released from prison and they go back to the people of the church. Essentially the same, the exact same people that we read about in in, in Acts chapter 2, right? It's the Christians in Jerusalem that are gathering and praying. Amongst them, among, counted amongst them is John and Peter because they're the ones who are left from prison and they, they go and they're handing and they tell them kind of the story of what took place. So you have to understand, there is a very clear overlap between Acts chapter 2, the people in Acts chapter 2, and the people in Acts chapter 4. There's an overlap. And they're functioning the same thing. They're gathering together and they're finding themselves in a moment of prayer. And this is what we see in Acts chapter 4 after the events that I just described. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will held 
uh, your will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. This is where it's really important to hear. Now, Lord, consider their threats. This is the church sitting there wanting to function as a church, wanting to continue being what the church is supposed to be. And they're calling out to God and saying, I want you to, Lord, I want you to understand that they're threatening us. They're trying to prevent us from being the church. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly. Now, why do I bring that up? Why, do we, why is that an important um, idea or an important event to consider in light of Pentecost Sunday and what took place in chapter 2? What this teaches us, what this shows us, is the need for an encounter with the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis to be the church. The, 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 the understanding, the idea here is not that, oh, we receive the Holy Spirit at one point. That we receive the Holy Spirit just simply upon our salvation. We receive the Holy Spirit at this one event, this one encounter in which we we were baptized in the Holy Spirit. But that for the church to continue to move forward and to continue to function, we can have an expectation of of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Look what it said. It's the same crowd essentially. That, that experience in chapter 2, the infilling of the Holy Spirit in a powerful way to function as the church. Understood the challenges. How many of you here ever feel as though there's challenges to be a Christian? Ongoing. You accepted Christ. You've been in Christ. You've been going to church. You've been a Christian. But there are times when you're sitting there going, I don't know how to be bold. I don't know how to speak. I don't even know how to make the right decisions and and, and live in mercy and live in grace and live in humility and love those who are unlovely and forgive those who I struggle to forgive. The ongoing impartation of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the believer is essential to us functioning as the church and as followers of Christ. What that tells me is this. Today, you can seek his presence. Today, you can seek his presence with an expectation that God wants to empower you to be the church. Tomorrow, you can seek his presence. With the expectation that there is an impartation of the Holy Spirit so that you can be the church. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. The Old Testament makes a, makes a declaration that his mercies are new every morning. The greatest impartation of the mercy of God in our lives daily is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to pour that out on you. If you've not encountered the Holy Spirit in a powerful way, I want to invite you today to seek him. Again, there will be people here available to pray with you as we go to this time of prayer and worship. There's not going to be a formal dismissal. We're just going to continue to enter in and a time of prayer and a time of worship. As you feel led of the Holy Spirit, feel free to go. It's totally cool. But, 
but don't pass on this opportunity to seek him and receive from him whatever he has for you. Heavenly Father, we stand in awe of the gifts that you have for us. We individually are so undeserving, but because of the gift of your son, the transformation that we can have in you, you have for us some incredible, unbelievable experiences. So Father, as your church this morning, we come in expectation. We seek you in expectation of the impartation of your spirit, the infilling of your spirit, the flooding over of your spirit so that we might be your church the way you've called us to be. Father, we seek you this morning in spirit and in truth. Step into his presence. Worship him. Receive prayer if you need prayer. Feel free to go as you feel led of the Holy Spirit too. But let's just allow the Holy Spirit to do in your life what he desires to do this morning.